podcast uh we'll get right into it this week um we're gonna start on a little uh a bit of a down note um but something that i want to talk about really quick um over the weekend on saturday i lost a friend of mine scott levine um and so i wanted to do something that we haven't done on the podcast before i want to dedicate this episode to him um he was a good guy and a good friend uh, he ran a game, a local game store on Staten Island called Get Their Games, which was one of his dreams to open that game store. So at least he got to do that. Um, I'll miss him, and this one's for him. So basically we're saying is if uh, you have a drink, drink it. If you have a hat, tip it for Scott Levine. Yes. I'm doing Thank both. You. Oh, yeah, you have a hat and a cup. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not liquor. We're not drunk. <laughs> Um, but I promise that this won't be super serious, but I just wanted to put that out there at the beginning. So uh, I'll miss you, Scott. And, uh, I know you're hearing this wherever you are. Uh, the next thing is I want to, of course, promote again, the Wasties show on this coming Thursday. The Wasties are performing at Sidewalk New York at 11 o'clock in Manhattan. Um, so I want to put that out there. Come see a show. It'll be fun. Me and Steve from the podcast will be there. Come meet the podcast. No, it's not really about that. Just come see an awesome show. Um... And moving on. So I've been listening to the script's second record a lot this week. Called Science and Faith. And? Way better than the third album. Hmm. Way better. I mean, it's still kind of pop, pop rock. Pop, but the... Uh... But, but it's, it, it's, they did a, a lot more interesting things. Lyrically, it's a lot better. Um, they played around with a lot more stuff. What about production? Because that was the thing I actually was impressed with uh, for the script. The production value was... Pretty high, especially for uh, the pop pop rock genre. The songwriting was was not. Yeah, bad. I mean it wasn't. The amazing. songwriting was much better on the second album, and the production I think was just as on par as the third album. So it made for a better experience, and makes for a better experience. I think when you look at it, most of the production work on most pop stuff is pretty high because yeah. so much money goes into it, and they expect so much money back. Yeah. So you know that's not really saying much. Uh, production though. Yes, high, but less towards the experimental interesting and more towards the tried and true, just make it sound as crisp and clear as possible. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, that's what most pop production albums have. So it's not really saying much. It's like, oh, I had good production quality. No, I'm saying it's that... It's normally pretty high their, for pop. But their third album, I thought, was a little bit mm, less towards the pop and more towards more experimental production level. Okay. I guess it depends what you define as experimental production level, but for that we'd have to go back to podcast 18, because I remember this stuff. He's <laughs> uh, like a savant. An idiot. Savant. savant. Yes. Well, yeah, there's with, a lot of that in there, with too. Like, <laughs> with, like, the least useful savant talent of all. He memorizing can re- stuff? No, memorizing our podcast order. <laughs> <laughs> I Not memorize gonna, other I mean, stuff, seriously, too. seriously, how is that useful? Besides on the show. To us? I don't know. We recommend it. Most people don't have the patience to go back. Oh, script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now they hear 18, they'll go back. Okay. 
Um, I also have been listening to the uh, the um, They Might Be Giants record. Uh, which is still a lot of fun. It is. But I've been kind of hovering around Replicant and Darlings of Lumberland. Like, those two songs. I told you Replicant stood up on its own. It even though Darlings was so massively scary awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, just Darlings, one of those songs that's yeah. going to stick around for a while. We'll probably, just... we'll probably be referencing that as much as we referenced Affection. and Oh, oh yeah. for sure, yeah. yeah. Though I think we might be referencing one or two songs from today for a while. Yes. Probably. Today's album is by Steam Powered Giraffe. It is their third album called The Two Cent Show. Um, Steam Powered Giraffe is a steampunk folk band. Uh, steampunk in this case means... Um, well, the genre steampunk is a combination of modern tones, modern styles, with a more Victorian-era content. This is how it's really put... Uh, or online. This is how most people agree. In fact, you could probably say that in the exact opposite order and it would still be correct. Like Victorian themes, Victorian with with modern content. Yes. Because uh, in many ways it, it follows like that Victorian style. It's it's Jules Verne's meets yeah. modern day. It switches up back and forth on this album too. Yeah. And the, the whole thing is steampunk is not a genre because steampunk rocks, steampunk Punk, steampunk folk. These are all different aspects of what would be the super genre of steampunk. So, yeah, don't stress too much on the punk that much. It's kind of just a, <laughs> just a term. Yeah, and so this is a folk album more than anything else. With a lot of comedy and a lot of experimentation. Yeah, that's about how I'd summarize it. It, it, uh, it definitely hits a lot of... Uh different kind of notes and it's not it, it it is definitely folk but it kind of flows into other things too throughout the record like it doesn't just stay strictly folk the whole record the core i would have to say is between like 1880 and 1930s style music with dashes of later a little bit of rock a little bit of punk a little bit of jazz um and i mean later jazz more towards the rock jazz era I mean, there's there's just a dash of a little bit of everything in this album. Yeah, there's anywhere from, like, tall tale of country music, the kind you'd expect to hear in a saloon in the Old West, um, and then all of a sudden you get a track that's damn near Beatles track, so... Yeah. And uh, late Beatles. Yeah. Yes. It definitely sounded like late Beatles. All right, well, let's, let's get kick it off with the first track, which is Steampoint, Steamboat Shenanigans. Um, which was, uh, I feel, a strong intro track. It was kind of jaunty, had great harmonies, which was just a telltale. The, the track was essentially a overture of the entire record to come. Yeah, it's a lot of separate themes, because it, it moves through each theme very, very quickly. It doesn't spend too much time on each individual one. Although, having said that originally, um, you said, John, that it was a, a sort of a prelude of things to come. But when I actually listen to the rest of the album, I'm not sure I really hear that necessarily. It seemed to be it was like a it was like a big believe overture. It, it was like okay. it, themes that they created just for that track itself. I think that it was more of an introduction to the record, not a overture of the record. I yeah. saw I saw I saw aspects of this song in One Way Ticket, in Rex Markley. Aspects, aspects. Yeah, but, but I'm saying traditionally an overture would be like splicing a part of the song verbatim. Well, you said overture. I did not. I did uh, not. I said this is yeah. a a glimpse of me. what is to come. 
<laughs> I, I did say it was a glimpse. A it glimpse. was an idea of what right. is to come. It sets That's the tone. Right. It doesn't actually it does. set. And, and it's, it's a storytelling song, I too. I, I kind of presumed Overture, considering the whole theme of the album. It's called The Two Cent Show. It strikes me as the kind of vaudevillian thing that you'd get in the time. Okay, we're going to go right into it. What's vaudevillian? Um, vaudeville? Explain. You know what vaudeville is, right? I Probably, but I don't remember. Okay, vaudeville was your... This is like pre-Broadway. Before Broadway existed, Broadway was not for, like, middle-class people or upper-class people. Vaudeville was for the common man. It was for people, for Mr. Immigrants. It was for people who just wanted a quick bit of entertainment in an era before we had movies, before we even had silent films. You could just pay a little bit of money, and you'd get... You'd get the works. You'd get uh, it'd be a variety show. Yeah. It was the it was, it was the, the on stage variety show of the yeah. time, and it's it spawned a lot of the stars that we do know, such as the Marx Brothers, um, such as Laurel and Hardy. These people got their starting on vaudeville. Okay, yeah. that is uh, the best word I've ever heard describing this album. Vaudevillian. Yes. Yes. Well, all um, you have to do is look at the cover. If anyone knows what a vaudeville show is, look at the cover. You'll get it. Yeah, the cover to this record very much looks like that. Um, but the song itself sets a tone for the record. Charming Goofy. Yeah, jaunty. Yeah, very goofy. I'm sticking with goofy on this one. <laughs> I, I think charming. Oh, yeah, it's charming. Classical charming. Yeah. I'm going off first impressions here. Based on, let's say, this first track here, I was going to say pretty goofy. Because of how quickly it jumps from one thing to the next. It's very aware of itself. I'm going to definitely say that. Yes. I'm not saying the word. Not saying the big M word. Meta- That's oh, not I, a big I have word. to say it just That's only four it. letters. It's not a very big word. Yeah, but we say it a lot. We it's do become... say metal a lot. <laughs> it comes from nerd culture mostly that we say it a lot. But yeah. Uh, Dude, it is meta. It, 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 <laughs> it is, though. It's very aware of what it is, but but they have fun with it and they play with it. And yeah. I think that's what make it, makes it work. That's not really speaking to them specifically. That's really more the steampunk genre. Is They, they know that they're kind of history buff mashups. They have a thing for that time period. Yeah. They have a thing for that whole aesthetic. They want to fuse that with what they know, which is modern rock music, or depending upon what they're in, folk, funk, anything. Right. And that is a, a, a nice little thing, because the band itself is between three and six members, depending upon the song. There are three members, uh, the Rabbit, the John, and the third name I always forget. I forget. The Spine. The Spine. spine. Okay. Um, who play automatons on stage. Uh, same way Blue Man Group dresses up in blue. They are it, they are a <laughs> That's show. That's the first thing you went to. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's that same sort of idea. And it they, is. In they fact, they're not referred to as a band so much as a music project. And, they and each that's have kind cool. of what the Blue Man Group were and are as well. They're not really a band either. Right. Well, they actually had like a show show. I right. imagine this is just their concerts that you're talking about, right? Even, no, their YouTube videos as well, they play automatons. They actually have backstories about what kind they are. Are they gearwork, clockwork, steam-powered? They have all this history about them, and they move like automatons with that halting, jerky kind of motion, like doing the, the robot continuously on stage, which is something to see. While they sing? While they sing. It is, uh, especially in their in their uh, video releases, is great watching. Mm. Because at times you forget they're actually people. <laughs> you just kind of take in the... Uh... No, they truly hit their persona. Uh, but getting back to the album, One Way Ticket, track two. Um, it's about trains. Here. It's about trains. 
You can look into me, just expecting me to go, oh, trains, I love it, yay! Not only that, they use a seamless... Right Sh- there, shocker, Sheldon. I like trains. <laughs> Alright there, Sheldon. But, um, no, it, it, in and of itself, this song is about the band getting, or the, the singer getting to his love interest. Yep, which on a one-way weird, ticket to destiny. Weird thing for an automaton, because remember, they're still in character, uh, to be getting into. Um, what I really loved about this song was the guitar solo in the B section. Yes, the B section is really where I think it took off, because I was trying to, you know, gauge exactly where this band was at. And the first section, while it was very nice, it was very, uh, it was kind of your standard folk track. But the B section took it to a whole new level, I thought. I thought they they really shined there. They got a lot deeper than what I had expected, because uh, there's something in in Steamboat Shenanigans that says this is almost going to be a comedy album. Like, it has that vibe sometimes. But at the same time, they're talking about taking a train over a sea of boiling oil with mechanical sea serpents attacking it. The train's got a face. You said yourself... Yes, this but is that, like, that in itself is kind of comical. Yeah, and you said yourself that this was like they're playing in their room imagining it. Uh, yeah. This the is toys. a toy room, yeah. not an actual thing. Which is I, said, I said the toy room with regards to their instrument choice because it, oh, it's not okay. so much... Like, you know, you, we, we've had a lot of bands where they just imagine, you know, uh, a room full of instruments, like Andrew Bird, who was just picking up whatever was there. This strikes me as not just instruments that they're picking up, but like, oh, look, there's a two-two train, let's use that as a soundbite. But it works. It, yeah. It's They're integrated really, really well with the song, the theme. Um, it, it, kept, it kept a very train track, rolling down the rails sound to it. It was a, it was a fun song. It really... It, as much as Steamboat Shenanigans introduced you to the band, this introduced you to the album. And in addition to doing that with their instruments, they do it with their voices as well. Their voices are all over the place. They they play around with timbre. They're up, they're up, they're up high, they're down low, and they have their constants. They have their, their signature baritone and their signature tenor. Um, it just, they have a real range, solid range. And it is all three of them singing throughout the songs. Yeah, not all at once, all the time, but yeah, they're all three of them do sing on every song. And when the harmonics kick in, that's when you hit something special. Um, this song also Harmon- had a really uh, harmony. Great, excuse me. <laughs> this song also had a really great outro, and and you'll, we, oh, the choo choo train outro. Yeah, it's just it was you know it was cute, and it's what you would expect for this song, how it would have ended, but but it definitely was a nice way to wrap up the song. And the next song is was one of my first like I really stood up and took notice tracks. And that's Juju Magic. Um, just a great, catchy song with fantastic guitar work. Banjo, it even got funk at certain points. Oh. This the, had the, sol- the solo work in here really, really shocked me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was just into it the entire time. And it's true, they play around with genre. They're in one genre, they're another. But this one really did lean toward funk. And... Um, even though it was only the third track in, I almost wanted to say it's out of place, but there's no there's no precedent for me to judge that yet. Yeah. Uh, and it, it started introducing something that they did in a couple songs, and that was unusual inflection in the vocals, which I really it got it, it caught that magic feel they were going for, and I just thoroughly enjoy the voices in this song. Oh yeah, I think it's actually their strong suit, and despite that they're all really really talented musicians as a whole. They're extremely talented vocalists, and yeah, I think that's actually what shines through uh, the most. No, yeah, their their vocals on every track either are on par with how awesome the song is, or even outshine it. 
Because the vocals are just so good. It's partially because of the ballad lyrics. Like, it's all it's all telling stories. Every, almost every single most one. Most of it, yeah. Um, and I think the other half is just the fact that it's theatrical. Uh, they have a very theatrical air to them. Even when they're singing, you know, on the mic, in, in a studio recording, they sing, they sing as if it's a live thing. Yeah. They, they're presenting to the audience. Oh, I really want to see this live show at some point. Like, oh, yeah. The, the, the way they perform on the record, the live show's got to be ten times better. Yeah. Because bands like this, you know, put on a show. Yeah. And yet, I don't want to detract the comedy element here. It's still very funny. It's, yeah. There's still everything. lots of goofy lyrics and funny, funny scenarios. It's inflection. Even yeah. the inflection itself is funny. Like, the guy's baritone, it's not a traditional baritone. It's 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 goofy. It's, it's off the wall. The way he sings has this little, uh... It's a frog-in-the-throat style. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And he's going for it on purpose. I mean, it's got that little hitch. Yeah. Just a little bit Sometimes different. it catches me off guard because it's almost not as melodic as the other voices. Like, the tenor is going over-the-top melodic, and this guy is going more just... He's stating the facts. Yes. Like, <laughs> he's breaking it down. Uh, and then, one of my... Uh, favorite songs only because it's such a low key style song. Me and my baby (parentheses Saturday nights). I love. It's a love song. It's a beautiful. Is melodic the right word? Oh yeah, yeah. It was melodic, beautiful, groovable, groovy. melodic love song. It, it was definitely a, gro- a very groove, groovy song, you know. And it was de- definitely very cliche almost. Me and my baby doing fun stuff on Saturday night kind of song. Yeah, he's talking about if you want to have a good time, you come find me and my baby. We'll be dancing. Yeah. This song was very just, it was kind of sweet for me. I yeah. mean, it, it wasn't as standout as some of the other tracks, but it was very sweet. I just, I, it, it was it took it down a notch after Juju Magic. I'm well placed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This was the perfect follow-up to Juju Magic. And I, I think because it wasn't so over the top lyrically, uh, uh, vocally, uh, they, they didn't really have the harmonics in this, uh, the harmonies in this. Right. I'm going to keep saying harmonics. They didn't have the harmonies in this. Uh, it was more just, it was a old school style love song. Yeah, old school, exactly. And not just to say it's a good follow-up, it's also a good uh, a good procedure, I suppose, to uh, Little Birdie. Because <laughs> Little Birdie right. is uh, experimental, downright oh, yeah. experimental. And it's it's got this kind of hint of, Modern be- uh, later Beatles versus David Bowie almost with the effects and the singing style. Yeah, and this is really where they were playing around with all the different instruments. Oh yeah, I feel like I, I feel like this is their version of Blackbird. Yeah, I could buy that. Yeah, I could buy that. That that experimental feel, significantly more complicated, but still has yeah. that same simplicity of Blackbird. But it's- yeah, it's like the simplicity there. That that's the template, mm-hmm. right? That's the template, but then they build all this other stuff around them. And what I'm going to stress about all this other stuff that's going on is there two, the two things here which just stand out to me are space and timing. It's the way everything is just stretched out over the course of the song. You know, you hear one song, you, you hear one little, uh, one little just sound, just a random sound, and then all of a sudden you have time to sort of process it and digest it before something drastically different comes in next. They do this with their voices, they do this with their instruments, and it, it's just very different. It's not as it's not as tightly knit of a song, and that's actually what makes it so creative. Yeah, because they left these gaps for you to appreciate everything that comes through. Exactly. And we've talked about it before, they use silence in several of these tracks oh, yeah. yes. extremely well. Yes. Which so, is hard 
to do. We've talked about it before. It's very hard to use silence. Well, because using silence in music can be very jarring unless you use it right. And at times they do it specifically to be jarring, but at times they do it just to let you catch your breath. Yeah. Just, you have to do that intake right before they go into something different. Yeah. And Little Birdie did this as well. Yep. And the template they were using was sort of a sort of a groove that was underneath. It just kept going, and I that kept me interested alone. So when all this other stuff was coming on, it was just eh, it was a ear or, eargasm. Eargasm. <laughs> yes. Really, we're going with eargasm. That's the word I've chosen. I have no Sticking idea how to even visualize that. You should for the better. You probably shouldn't. I think and none I, of you shouldn't either. This I is, think I'm going to draw it down. What is this I think we're going to move on to the next again? song. <laughs> Do we have a rating? <laughs> Uh, next track, Rex, not the album. Track six, Obviously. Rex Rex Marksley. So Rex Marksley was essentially a storytelling song. This is a folk tale. Yeah. This is a Western bar folk tale, the first of several in the album. Uh, this was find... this was really it felt fun, a tall tale, but this was all about the lyrics. Yeah. It was but, all about the lyrics and it was all about the comedy, I think, too. Yeah. Oh, there was comedy in it, but my biggest problem with this song was it, it wasn't bad, but it was just, it was a long story song. This is not a song that I would listen to every and time it came on. for that reason that I was inclined to think it was one of the weaker tracks so far until I kind of got into the joke that they were right, playing that it was on just me. The story. fact that it keeps on going. going that's yeah. That's what... That's well, what they're driving at. They're point... driving for a legend and a legendary story that keeps going yeah. and going and going. And um, let's put it this way. Sometimes, not everyone is going to agree with me on this, but sometimes the Western has a bit of a bore factor to it. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, because everything's a tall tale. Like, oh, if he was the fastest gunman in the West, he was the fastest gunman in the world. You know, they make him out to be these larger-than-life figures, and they're really exaggerating that in this in this track. Well, it starts off with the lines, Rex Marksley, at, an age, at a younger age, shot holes in cans without a missin'. Sadly, they were in the pantry, so the beans painted the whole darn kitchen. <laughs> I mean, come on. How that's can how, you not get it from that? That's the yeah. first verse. Yeah. And it, it, they go on to talk about how he defeated the Rattlesnake King. And, and talk <laughs> all the jackalopes to yodel, and they actually started yodeling. Yeah, um, that, that took me off guard. About halfway through the song, they introduced a snare beat that I really, really enjoyed and started really progressing it. And they ended the song in that really s- almost sour contemplative note of talking about his death and, and then because the chorus yeah it's it's a folk tale so you can't just end a song like that you go back into the chorus and they yeah. brought it again to wrap it and up and brought it back up and that's part of the folk joke but i have to liken this song and this style of song to uh, a favorite musician of mine growing up arlo guthrie hmm. who was all about the folk song um, my favorite song by his is uh, Alice's Restaurant, an 18-minute bit of him talking. And it's one of those stories where he told you one story so he could tell you about a whole different story. And Alice's Restaurant is just... It got me in love with folk because it was just a story. There was no singing, really, aside from like three or four lines in the whole song. And the guitar work was just there to propel the story. There wasn't any instrumentation, really. Yeah, and I would say that this is in that same sort of vein, and I love that. I love that that whole story. It's you know that's one of the reasons why why I like the Decemberists, you know, as a band. But the funny thing, and again, I'm going back to the comedy element here. 
I have to take this as a joke. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a very, very, it's a very well done joke. Because sometimes I think the way the Decembers, the way a lot of other bands, even Arlo Guthrie, the way they conduct folk is more of, more with a serious tone. More right. with like, this is a very serious ballad. I want you to get emotionally invested into this. It's hard for me to get emotionally invested about a name like Rex Marksley. Well, this, bu- this band is clearly about a comedy element and they're trying to make it this is a happy album they have a theme this they is a, a theme. happy yeah. happy album it's happy go lucky it's a feel good for album a, good, for a feel good album for a good chunk of it there are downturns at, at points but mostly it's yeah. a very happy it, it's, album it's like Willy Wonka like I'm inviting you into my ridiculous world that I've created and it has that vibe on very many tracks this one especially and then moving on to my favorite track on the record track 7 which is one of the videos that they've released on YouTube which is Automatic electronic harmonics. No. Automatonic <laughs> electronic harmonics. How many times have we said this wrong? I know. Today? I know. Um, At least only once this for you was, guys. This was straight out of a John Wayne style movie. This, uh, beat wise. It was... The, harmon- it, the harmonies in this song were, were incredible. The timing of this album, I just want to interject, is, is insane because I just watched an episode of the Roy Rogers show today. <laughs> like 1951 TV Western. It's, it's almost got that vibe. Uh, the vocal transi- uh, transitions are crazy in this song. Oh, it's oh yeah. unbelievable. Uh, and they do it so smoothly and, and beautifully. And there's a breakdown halfway through. Drops out most of the instruments, reintroduces everything. Outro has an amazing guitar work, and the entire song is just explaining what it's like being a uh, steam automaton. Yeah, this is explaining them, and it's so interesting. It, it's th- this. Interestingly enough, this is where they actually get a lot more serious. It's like yeah. when they talk about robots, that's when they get serious. That's kind of funny, but it really does have this much darker tone about it. And the thing that drew me in here wasn't so much the harmonies, because like the harmonies were they were they were well done and everything, but it wasn't as, um, I wouldn't highlight that here as much as I would some of the other tracks. Here, it was the melody. The melody had this very expansive nature to it. It just felt like it, it, it kept on going, and it wasn't wrapping itself up anytime soon, and I was okay with that. I wanted to let it take, whisk me away. Yeah, this is one of the songs that I really, really, truly got invested in since Juju Magic. Like, I liked... The other songs, but but this one really kind of pulled me in. Made me feel like I was part of this world. And, I, I gotta do it again, the guitar transitions at the end. Because they started doing guitar solos with different guitars. Bouncing back and forth. Mm-hmm. And it was, we talked about it last week. These, I don't know if Steve will agree. I felt like this solo work had purpose. Actually transitioned. Actually said something. I agree hundred percent with that. I wasn't going to put words in your mouth. I didn't <laughs> want to do that. Um, but it, it, they, it, it spoke about the characters they are. No, the, I, I look. There's definitely something to be said for solo work because we don't. To be honest, in most of the stuff that we've listened to, we have not got great solo work. We've got mediocre solo work, the kind that you'd expect, just to sort of tied together one verse to another or one chorus was, to another. Right. It's sort of it's like, there. oh, look, a yeah. guitar solo. That's nice. It's the kind that you've been expecting for 30 or 40 years. This was... You're focused. You're very, very focused on every little note. It's, um... The the phrases in the solos are related to the melody. They expand on it. And yet they're not afraid to be off the wall and uh, take you in a 
it's it's kind of like an interjection for the song. I mean, I had certain expectations of this band just because I knew it was a steampunk band. Not that that necessarily really means anything, but but they kind of shattered all expectations of what I had. Me too. Because I, I didn't expect it. To, I expected it to be fun. That I saw coming. I expected it to be comical. I did not expect it to be complex. I did not expect it to have these advanced solo work and these advanced yeah. harmonies. Like I didn't see that coming at all. These guys are actually uh, pretty big for their britches, to be honest. They're very talented. <laughs> to be, to They're be... comfortable in these britches, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is what they want to do with their life. Okay, fine. Let them. And so, now... so the next two tracks are paired up together. Um, Prelude to a Dream and Make Believe run right from one to the next. Um, essentially, Prelude to a Dream is a minute-long intro to Make Believe, but still holds its own. They're very different from each other. That's the thing. They like, are they are still separate tracks on the album itself, but yes. one prepares you for the next. It prepares you in tone and a lot of other ways, but they're... Um, the, very they're different night in and day. sound. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Prelude was... I wrote down self-affirming beauty. He's... Yelling out, I'm alive. One of the lines, I'm a living, I am a living thing, I am not a human being. And then he goes into, I'm alive, I'm alive. He's pleading, almost, to go past his nature. I loved the short, simple lyrics of this song. Mm. And, um, aside from, you're still, you're still in the prelude. I'm still in prelude. Yeah. And aside from, aside from the lyrics, they... They added on a whole other element here. The chords in this song were what were really getting me. Like, very complex. Very complex. They were moving through a whole, whole system here uh, that we haven't really seen earlier on. Earlier on, they're playing with a lot of other things. They're playing with timbre, they're playing with uh, harmony. This one, it was the chords that did it. Um, I guess that makes sense that they use that for an introduction. You know, it's a shorter track. You can digest it easier. Uh, sometimes people lose track if the chords are just aimlessly going off. But here it works in the concise um, nature of how long was it? What like minute to uh, minute and a half? Yeah, it, not even fifty nine seconds. There you go. Fifty nine seconds. You wrote it down. No, I just remembered because yeah. I was oh, staring okay. at Spotify. Um, I I really like this track and the track that follows Make Believe, which we can get into because together they felt like one big intermission track, but not in the sense that it wasn't an, an interlude like, oh, let's take a break, here's some talking, and then we'll come back to it. Yeah. It broke up the album, but with another beautifully different track. The Make Believe was the 70s groove, almost something you would have heard on Sesame Street at the time. Like, it had that very kid-friendly... It was very, very, yeah. Dream State 70s groove. We were talking about Muppets during this one. Not like that you, there were I Muppets, like but this could have like, been done by the Electric Mayhem, personally. It, I it, mean, some of the lines are la 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 la. It was almost Smurf. You can see Muppets dancing to this. <laughs> yeah, it was very, uh, very, very easy to picture what would be going on during this video. And it's talking about how you should use your imagination to improve the world too. I mean, mm. that's a. It's, it had a good message as well. It has I, great what was the lyrics. transition here? It was an alarm going off. It was an alarm going off. It was waking up. From the dream, almost, but falling into it, it was weird. That's very weird. Yeah. Because I was inclined to believe the opposite at first, but it's prelude to a dream, you're waking up into the dream. Yes. And the dream is... A better world. Yeah. So why is the alarm going off? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> it's... I swear, it's deep. I swear they should have... No, <laughs> what they should have done was they should have reversed 
the alarm clock noise. Like, made it play backwards. I don't know. Would you have been know. able to tell a difference? Maybe. I don't know. We'll have to test that later. Uh, I'll do it. Yeah, I know <laughs> you, you would. Um, so anyway, moving on to Make Believe. So yeah, it was definitely this kind of fun dream statey kind of 70s groove track that kind of just was just fun to bop to you could dance along with. Yeah, I'm not going to pick this song apart. This song yeah. was really just, it, it was the perfect song to be here in the, the middle. And it, it solidified my uh Part of the, the, the chorus was, I'm dancing for no reason. I mean, it was just, it's, yeah. in the, it's in the song. Do it. Don't even think about it. Just do it. It's almost got the same vibe as Do It Anyway uh, from yes, a lyric actually, standpoint. Uh, oh, I would give the... Wait, oh, surprise, absolutely. surprise, featured Muppets. That's Ben Fraggles, yes. <laughs> and the band. They're they're fun. they're still Muppets. They're just a different. Breed. Yeah, Muppets is the um the umbrella term. Right. That's <laughs> true. You racist bastard. Yeah. They're Fraggles against purple people. Wait, now I got the fra- stupid theme song going through wait, my head. <laughs> but none of the Fraggles were purple. I think so. Yeah, were. there was probably purple. Oh wait, no, one of them was. Sure, one was purple. Oh my god, there's always a purple Muppet. Anyway, forget about the Muppets right now. <laughs> Ended once again with a guitar solo into the uh, chorus. Once again, a good, almost great guitar solo. Yep. Uh, didn't quite stand out as the previous stuff, but you know what? It, no, this it was, stood it out fit. to me as far as tone was concerned because it was happier than almost anything earlier. Yeah, and it was. That the, says a lot it was because the, the happy earlier track. stuff was pretty happy still. This is sweet tarts crammed in your mouth. Yes. Pretty much. And then we go it's into too. to one of the standout songs on the record. This is my hands down favorite track. Mine as well, and I'm already memorizing this, the, the lyrics so I oh. can sing along to this song. The song is called it's Honey Bee. It's tricky though because you got three parts. You gotta yeah. pick one. The song <laughs> is called Honey Bee, and it's pretty much a heartbreak song. It's it's about... Love and loss. Loss, yeah. Yep. Uh, had a great... It's the first downturn on the record as far as... No. Well, not, no, it's not, not the first. Gonna... It's not the first, but it is climax. It, it is one of the climaxes of, you know, it was happy, and now we've got to talk about something serious and sad for a moment. It's not 100% sad, though. It is... There's so much benefit, so many happiness in his memories about this. Right. I'm going back He's... to our big V word. This was visceral. It was yes. very visceral, yeah. And, and I'm saying that from the... from what they're doing with their vocals. This is an exaggeration of everything that I mentioned earlier. They're using space, and this time they're using it more of a condensed... Uh, this was very well composed. Just the way in which uh, one one voice would just drop out, another would pick up. And they did this in the span of not, not a whole melody, but just a phrase. Just yeah. a brief couple of measures. They had all of this timed out. This was, like, mathematical. And the harmonies were probably the best they'd been on the entire record on this song. Oh, and without a doubt. I have to point out the lyrics. The lyrics are the best on the album. Do you have any for us? Uh, yes. I mean, for the most part, the, the refrain... Not the refrains, the choruses. Not the choruses, the verses. <laughs> He'd get there eventually. Let's go through everyone. <laughs> the verses are talking about... You didn't have to smile at me. You didn't have to offer me your hand. But when I kissed it... I am. I was at your command. I mean, he's talking about you didn't have to be the woman I love, but you were. And the chorus, oh turpentine, erase me whole. I don't want to live my life alone. That was the line that just, got me. Yeah. Just cut that's to that, me. Yeah, that, yeah. That's and that a right powerful, there, that powerful line. Just beautiful. And again, 
space. I'm talking about this because of the way in which some of the previous phrases were. I almost want to say the word cluttered, but in the best possible way. Because one voice, you know, was they were overlapping so much, and then all of a sudden, you'd hear one phrase very, very clearly. And the one that you just read was one of those phrases. Yeah. That was as plain as day. And it pushed it, it forward. Out. Yeah. yeah, it pushed it forward so you'd hear it. A lot of times, it's, it's how you phrase things. It's how you uh, sort of put something on a pedestal, even if it's just a chord, if it's a melody, if it's a line, anything. And uh, uh, instrumentally... Had a beautiful walking bass. I love the piano drum combo, and I love the ending of the with the acoustic vocals. Oh yeah, yeah, that was was great. Perfect for ending the song. I'm gonna say this is a five star song. I'm gonna say that too. And this, I would agree. I know we we rant and rave about darlings, but I like this song better. Mm, Two yeah. very, very different yeah, reasons I can't, for me. I, can't. Very I, I have reasons, to put them, I have to put I, them kind of on par. Because Darlings... I didn't, really, I didn't really like Darlings for the vocal reasons, to be honest. Darlings was all instrumental for me. It was the instrumental stuff that got me up. With this um, with this track, it's all mostly vocal. Mostly the vocal and work, so yeah. instrumental. Emotions. Like, this, this might already be a contender for the emotional song of the year for me. Yeah, it's, it's tough because we've... We have not had too many cases of uh, two five-star songs back-to-back, week-to-week, I mean. Yeah. Well, these are also two very... I mean, we have two strong, very strong records back-to-back as well. I mean, this this album is starting to shape up to be a very strong record, although there are moments later on in the record where it does fall a little short, unfortunately, but we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get that. We still have one more very, very standout-ish track here. So... Um, Scary World. Scary World is the next track. I mean, it, it, from the beginning of the song, you have this powerful organ music that just draws you in and for it, this perfectly cliche, scary song about scary monsters. Now, it's not just... It's, Cliched it's, in the lyrics, not in the instrumental. Correct. And it's not quite well, cliche. It had, Some a, of the it had lines, a Pink Floyd-ish vibe. Yeah, but the organ was so. kind of cliche. I mean, you think scary Dracula... Oh, okay, if you're, if you're honing Scooby. in on that element. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I forgot about the organ very quickly. That was an intro. It, was, it didn't, it didn't no, linger. The, the organ did linger. The yeah, organ there was, was organ used throughout in later the song. Part. It came it back sporadically. But this was a song about childhood fears. That's exactly what it was. It's about the monsters under the bed. It's almost innocent in that manner. Lyrically. And I'm gonna point. I'm pointing well, yeah, that because out. it wasn't it wasn't like a horror movie scary song. And I'm pointing that out because there was a lot. We said charming, we said goofy, but it seems like there's a lot of innocence in this in this album, lyrically. Oh yeah, and I, that's a major part of the theme of the arc of this album. And Scary World is the loss of that innocence. This is the song that really represents that. Well, there was Scary a lot of word... innocence in the time period that they're modeling themselves after, I suppose. But Honeybee, Scary World, even Suspender Man in the next one, is the loss of this innocence. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Which is a great crescendo for the theme. Yeah, which is um, why the, the last three tracks, as we get to them on the album, well, the or the three tracks before the end of the album, kind of throw me. Because... But... Before they, we get they into go that. back to innocent, in, as far as yeah, I'm but, and that's like really innocent, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's that's problematic. But um, but yeah, no, Scary World definitely had that kind of old school horror movie, like Dracula the Wolfman. It had themes from so many different horror movies with a huge variety of instruments. 
there had to be four or five different guitars and but it's from the age of good horror movies not the crap that's out now Christopher Lee style yeah like yeah. the Dracula you know like Lon Chaney like all of these great classic Hannibal movie Lecter, things that we don't Night really the Living Dead yeah. I mean that's the horror we had here Hannibal Lecter really Hannibal Lecter I yeah. don't know if I see that so much I see yeah, it I see what Matt was saying more like 30s era yeah 30s hour horror. Our classics. I think Science of the As far as I'm concerned, that, you're though. trying to go the... the no. Uh, mm, I will not compare Science of the Lambs to Dracula, Christopher Lee's Dracula. Yeah. No, not I stick happening. with what you said earlier as far as the innocence. Of the innocence of like when 1930s movies actually scared us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. The Blob. Okay, sure. King Kong. Less horror, more action. Yeah. Uh, it. No, Remember it? no, not it. <laughs> you were scared during it. I was, but that's, that's not, not this the era. same era. That's the Killer 90s. clowns from outer space. Oh, brother! Uh, John's now just saying things. Well, we're getting. I'm getting too smart and making too many good points. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> you're making no. I had to go quit. back. I had to go just back. Quit. I had to go back. <laughs> I had to devolve. But yeah, this song definitely shows that kind of that that overarching innocence of these classic scary moments. I um, particularly like the outro in the song. Yes, the, the outro was phenomenal. Yeah, and it and it fit the 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 vibe and the yeah. theme of the song so perfectly. Because this song was a pretty long song, so yeah. even after a while, it was I was one of the say, five like, minute pluses. Yeah, and after a while, I was like, okay, I, I I got what they're getting at, but I haven't heard anything new stated in a while. And then just when I was about to settle into that, they pulled this outro, which yeah. was just. Oh. And so the suspender man. Track 12 is the Suspender Man. So I think that this is when it started to kind of take a downturn as far as, I don't want to say quality, but it wasn't as complex as previous songs. This one was some. This This one still had fun. Yeah. This still was fun, and this still was good. It was not a bad track. It just wasn't as good as the previous track. This is where I started to make a claim that maybe they should have stuck a little bit more serious toward the end of this album. Yeah. I think I was rather liking the development from comedic to serious. I liked where they were going there, and they kind of ruined that a little bit for me. They pulled me back into not even something that was just uh, blatantly funny. It was more just, uh, I'd listen to it in a bar. It's another folktale. Right. It's, it's, it and you know that folk, folk tales can all blend together sometimes. It, it, is, it is true. While we're talking about the benefits of, of folk, we can also say that, you know, there's, there's, a, certain, there's a lot of formulaic nature to the, uh, the guy with an acoustic guitar singing about this, that, and the other thing. But it wasn't an acoustic guitar. It was a banjo. There was a banjo. True. And uh, was right. I'm, going, I'm going minimalistic here. And, this and, was more of a Devil Went Down to Georgia style story. Um, it was very storytelly sound, but the the I think the, around the midpoint when the double banjo like banjo solos came in like that was awesome. Yeah, that, the banjo I had fun. Worked. And I don't think that was a double banjo. I think that was one banjo. Oh wow! It just it sounded like yeah. Well, depending on how you pick a banjo, you can do some very complicated things that you really true. It, it's hard to do on other uh, stringed, stringed instruments. instruments. Yeah, good point. Uh, all because of the timbre of the banjo. It's a very, very weird instrument. It's a tambourine with strings. <laughs> it is pretty much a tambourine with strings, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, no, I thought that the song was good, but it definitely wasn't as good as Scary World or Honeybee had been, 
or even the tracks before that. Well, there's also the issue of where do you place other songs? We've talked yeah. about this on so many albums. Uh, Scary World couldn't have been the outro, but how do you follow up Honeybee Scary World? Yeah, it was a tough hey, act to Hey, I'm not here to, you know, give pointers or anything. I'm just saying what did not work for me personally. Yeah, it hit it hit high, and it's, yeah, we're heading downhill here. It peaked. And then, and then the track after Spenderman, That'll Be The Way Home, I didn't really have much interest in this track. It was okay. As far as tracks go on this record, it wasn't terrible. There's no bad songs on this record, but like this is where I kind of started to lose interest a little bit. I was kind of... Yeah. You know, it was... The album's still good, and these songs are still good at this point. Ow, that was my knee slamming into the uh, what we were resting the microphone on. Um, but I really liked... I liked the song, but I just didn't love it as much as I'd love the other songs. You know, I was kind of starting to check out as a little I bit. As I said, a lot of these songs, they have... You know, sometimes I think I feel like we're saying folk too much. Some parts of it are very folk country. I I envision some of these tracks playing in, uh, like I said, so, to some extent, an old fashioned saloon. But these were almost a little bit more modern. Like you, I could still see them playing in just a bar, but not a bar that's like in a city or even mm-hmm. a town or something like that. Like somewhere halfway halfway down route, uh, blank blank. You know, you you have to stop there. You need I to get a drink. Route blank blank. Yeah. They have a Cracker Barrel. Did they? Yeah, of course they do. Yeah, well, they that's probably where you'd be going on your way to this bar. Well, you'd be <laughs> hearing this, and then you strike up a conversation around these tracks. I can't imagine just, like, focusing on them as much as the yeah. earlier ones. And then track 14 and 15 are paired together, like um, track, uh, what was it, 8 and 9, which was uh, ballad of the Ballad of Lily, at, which led into Earhart, which are both about... Ballad Amelia Lily. Earhart. Ballad of Lily was very slow. That's how I feel. It was, it was, its drawback was that it was it has a lot slower pace than the rest. Yeah. And I'm not sure it worked to the favor <laughs> here because sometimes we say that it's nice to, you know, take Throw a breather the after yeah. a while, but in this case, it didn't work so much because we're tired by the end here. We're up to track 14 already. Yeah. I'm almost thinking this album could have been shorter. Yeah. It could have it could have done well to be shorter. I think that if personally, and we'll get to circuitry after Earhart. But I think if Circuitry followed Scary World, that would have been a proper end to the album. I still... No, mm. no. I would not have taken out the Suspender Man. Mm. I would not have. I may have changed this position, but I definitely wouldn't have dropped okay, that Okay, that's back. fair. So then maybe the Circuitry... I did like... That'll be I the may way have, back I, home. I would probably have moved... I said I wasn't going to give pointers. Oh, well. Too bad. Give him pointers. I would probably would have moved Suspender Man earlier on the album. Yeah. Much earlier. True, when yeah. I was still accepting the ballad nature of them. Um... I will point out one great thing. The Ballad of Lily, Earhart, is one of the most unique stories I've heard in music. Because it's about Amelia Earhart. And it's kind of weird that this is... I wanted to like Earhart. I did. I liked it. Because I, I liked the story. Yeah, I was interested in Amelia musically, Earhart when I was little. Musically, I was checking out with the instruments, but I liked the story. Mm. And I still liked the vocals. Musically, it was kind of repetitive. Yeah, like, it, 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 I had trouble melodies, giving my interest. The melodies that they were singing the vocals with were a little... I'm sorry, singing the lyrics with were a little repetitive. That ruins the lyrics for me. A, be- had- a better example of a song with historical or sciencey <laughs> lyrics... That told a story way better than this was Tesla, Tesla. from, from yes. the last record. From on the They Might Be Giants did it better. With te- Tesla was just a better song. It was more interesting. It was more engaging. I it was it also was. significantly shorter. Just counting Earhart, I think Tesla was like half the length. 
that worked to its favor. But, but that worked to its favor. I think this That's just the thing. was if too long. If you're gonna long. be random and just like take a historic, because can you really tell me where Earhart fits in the arc of this album? Nope. Theme wise, no. Yeah, no. it doesn't fit really. Maybe at all. around Little Birdie. Eh. That's a stretch. Don't eh. No, I I I don't see your Go point. Eh you have yourself. to defend it. Defend it. Why? Why Little Birdie? Uh, story wise. Thematically wise, I think Little Birdie actually would have flowed. Get get rid of. The Ballad of Lily, and actually flow Birdie into Earhart. You're th- you're talking tone then. Mm-hmm. Not really theme. No theme and story. Theme and lyrics. There's a story behind Little Birdie. Yeah, but I see how it actually relates to Earhart. Uh, I don't care if you're wrong. I don't um, care if you think I'm wrong. One thing Earhart did... To... No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Earhart had a nice uh, walking bass and guitar, and we haven't really been talking about that, and that's what they like to do... Okay, fine, but that's been ever that's been ubiquitous throughout the We didn't album. talk about that. Okay. There's a... <laughs> <laughs> what I just I mean, said, there's I'm a walking gonna, bass and guitar. I mentioned it, fine. It's throughout the album. It's actually interesting. Ah, come on, give it me helps. something I can stick my teeth into. I hear walking basses all the time. That's not the first thing that was grabbing me in this album, so I didn't feel the need to mention it I'll go yourself. <laughs> Let's talk about circuitry, because circuitry was kind of an odd choice to end. Even, it was interesting after the three duds, but it was very weird. What was with that vocal... It yeah, was, they sang through a, a voice changer. It was uh, run through a synthesizer. Yep. Which was interesting for some called circuitry. I think this was a nice conclusion to the record, this song. I thought it, it had that kind of finality and that kind of wrap-up feel to it. Even though you couldn't understand the lyrics for like, the hell of it. I love the... The beat. The simple beat that was the song. It was almost... It was a computerized yeah, beat. Yeah, yeah. It was a very computerized beat. In fact, this is probably the more modern-sounding track on the entire album. So. Yes. Definitely. Again, if they were moving in that direction, that makes me further question uh, tracks 12 through 15. I think that 12 through 15 would have been better earlier in the record, maybe. Yeah. But if even on the record at all. I keep... I hate that you guys keep putting 12 in there. I'm sorry. It was like this. I li- I enjoyed the lyrics in that. Oh no, Suspe- I'm with John that. on Suspender Man. I like Suspender Man. I don't want that to go anywhere. Thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen should have either been earlier on the track. I enjoyed uh, the story, but musically it wasn't grabbing me. This Suspender Man for some reason. Well, they it was all about the lyrics. That was a story Too song. Bad. Fair enough. Too bad. I I was just <laughs> mentioning the music. I gotta say it. This is um. Well, that's the problem with folk tales. It's hard. It's hard to focus on the lyrics and the. Then that's a problem with the me. Same time. No, it's not. I I deject I, that entire yeah. assessment. That's not. That's a generalization of folk. That's incorrect. Mm, I've listened to a lot of folk. You're so, speaking for yourself, and, then. I enjoy your folk taste. that is integrated uh, with complex music as well as a complex story. Yeah. And I've heard it, and I felt like this was lacking in one half. Yes. Okay. Fine. Me, 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 me. I'm mocking Steve now. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's John's it. That's, go-to that's the rest. That's the rest of this album. As out, you this. do. As mock, you mock, have mock. to. Because that's what you resort to. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, before the two, the two wussies start beating the crap out of each other. So oh, we're, we're not going to do that. We're wussies. <laughs> you said so yourself. Not the face, not the face. 
So, uh, Steve, why don't you take us into the wrap-up and give us uh, how you feel I about this. I will take this into the wrap-up. I'm very disappointed with the end, because I, I had this at such a high rating. I really yeah. did. I, I was borderline going to beat last week's album. Borderline going to beat it. And we gave that a 4.5. Yeah. Um, the end tracks here kind of almost devolved to the expectation that I had of this going into it. That's a it's, perfect way of putting it. Yeah. That and was a convoluted tough. way I didn't get. That what I just said? The end tracks were almost as bad as you thought it was going to be. That's you, precisely what I said. Yeah, but you didn't say it in English. I didn't get it at first. I'm trying to get my thoughts out. You know, I, that happens. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And for that reason, I, it, it kind of took me back a bit. They didn't, they didn't hold the standard yeah. consistently. They had a very, very complex theme, which I feel like they kind of dropped out. I think it would have been an easy fix. I think they just let this album run on a little bit too long. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how they should have, could have wrapped it off up, but I, I think it should have been done shortly, very shortly after Scary World. Yeah. Um, and if it were there, it would be a 4.5, um, undoubtedly. Perhaps even a couple points higher. But given this, I'm not knocking it down much. I'm knocking it down to 4.25. That's not a significant drop, I feel. 4.25 sums this up for me because it's still highly creative in almost everything it does. Um, the It's still highly... I'm gonna. I'm actually going to throw out the word virtuosic here when it comes to the way they construct their harmonies. Uh, that just... It takes so much thought and consideration. I, I mean, that alone is going to keep this in the... You know, push it up in the fours. It's just it's it's sometimes the simple the simple basic folk tracks that just let me leave, they leave me wanting a little bit more, you know. It's it's that arc that they dropped. That's fair. I mean that that I think that we're gonna be around that consensus to a point. Uh, for me, so I really like the record as a whole. I do a lot. I was I was burning it onto a CD while we were listening to it together. Um, and where were you doing that? What, what, at what point in the album were you doing that? Automatonic. Oh, during Automatonic, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but um, about halfway through the record, I was like, I need to have this CD. Yep. So, um, burning it legally, of course, with legally obtained music, of course. Um, From my copy, I can hand it out to you as a personal CD. Anyway, um, I, I really did like the record. I think that it's on par with last week's record for this, the same reasons I only gave last week's record a 4.5. There were some songs that just fell short. And for that logic, uh, this is also, I think, going to be a 4.5 for me, not a 4.25. Okay. Because it's pretty much, to me, this and, and, and They Might Be Giants fall pretty much at the same place, except that They Might Be Giants is a little quirkier or goofier no you know what the only separation i don't mean to interrupt your rating you know the only separation there was for me despite some of the tracks which we did admit were a little bit more akin to duds on on the they might be giants album um i was not bored at any point and i was a little bored at the end here okay that's fair that's i think that explains my 0.25 that's fair um i i mean the only song that really truly bored me was Airheart. So for for one song to kind of lose its grip, well, actually it wasn't even Airheart because Airheart the lyrics kind of kept me engaged. It was the uh, that'll be the way home is where I got bored. Oh, me too. Actually, and, yeah, that, I, I forgot about that. That was uh, and, that was a little weird because it was like a USO show. But yeah. it's just that song didn't entertain me. But the rest of the record, the end did. Even if it wasn't up to par, it still entertained me enough that I wasn't bored. Okay. So for me, I think it's a nice four point five. These guys are talented. The music is fantastic. 
through and through. Even the stuff that like, and what I mean by fantastic is it's it's fantastical. It's very engaging through a good ninety percent of the record. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the bad songs aren't bad. They're just not as good as the good ones. Yep. You know, none of those songs that we said we were bored with or that we weren't as engaged with were bad songs. They weren't. They were still good songs. Better than half the garbage you can hear on the radio. Sure. Um, but overall, I just, I really like the aesthetic. I really like these characters they've created, the humor, the tongue-in-cheek, and 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 just some of the, I mean, the harmonies on this record. Oh, my God, the harmonies and these singers. Like, that's the standout for me. And there's so much more than that on this record. But that's what really stood out to me was the harmonies and these singers. You know, it's tough to ask um, to ask a band named Steam Powered Giraffe. Can you guys be more serious? Because I, yeah. I know they don't want to be it. No, of course I just not. know. I just know in my heart that when they take that route, that's when they shine, yeah. really shine. So, so yeah. You can't so get what you want. So all in all, four point five for me. Uh, a very very solid record. This album had two five star songs for me. Oh, what's the second one? Honeybee and Automatonic. Oh, Automatonic was. Oh, okay, Automatonic yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And like five 4.5 star songs. And I will admit there was Deadwood. I, I, I defended it, but the Ballad of Lily Earhart downturn. Uh, first time I heard Circuitry, I didn't really like it. It took subsequent hearings to actually enjoy it for its outro. Okay, I'll take you up on that and yeah. get back to you. Um, and yeah, I can understand the wearing of the folk tale side of this album, uh, because it, musically, they did take a downturn when they focused too much on the lyrics. Um, at the same time, the lyrics suffered a little when they focused on the instrumentation, but it's like, they went from 98 to 92. It wasn't a huge difference. They were still making interesting music. Interesting vocals, and yeah, that's the big part. Vocals, words, they complement each other. The harmonies are just astounding. The only thing is that when you do the latter, it's easier for me to accept it. That is to say, when they uh, sacrifice some lyrical work for music. For me, it's easier to accept that, I suppose, because then I, at least there's a backup. I'm able to accept the vocals as um, as, as as an instrument of, them, of their themselves. And then I just take the story of the for the aesthetic value, I, I suppose more so than the other way around. Okay, no, just throwing it in. And the only reason why, same reason as Steve and Matt, the only reason why this is not higher than they might be giants, is because the ending fell flat for me. So four point five. This I would rate. Just as high. I had the issue with the sound bites. I appreciated them at the whole for the They Might Be Giants, but it still felt like a downturn for me. Same way, towards the end, yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. of a downturn. But this is just, I love everything about so many of these songs. There's 10, 12 songs that are just great. Just amazing tracks. Yeah, this album is definitely a good choice, especially for kind of leading into what we wanted to talk about a little bit today. I mean, this was another, like, mouthful album. I mean, we've gone probably just about an hour just on the record alone, which I kind of like that we found such full-fledged, meaty records that we don't even really necessarily need a topic. I'm doing finger quotes for you, audio audience. I'll take over that segue here, because, again, one of the reasons I lowered it was ARC, and ARC was 
partially because of emotion. And that's where we're going with this whole thing. Because I, I did feel the album was sort of going from comedic toward a little bit more of a serious side. Or if so, or more of a, I don't know, just maybe a more profound side. Right. And it's not that they necessarily lost that and lost the... They lost, they lost the emotion by the end of it. I yeah, suppose. you weren't you weren't as yeah. wrapped up emotionally in those songs. It's not necessarily they were trying to make more serious or uh, or more happy. They just they, it took it away from me. But I was feeling really halfway through this that the album was a very therapeutic album. That it was especially uh, considering a track like Make Believe. You know, Make Believe just wholesome. Oh, so wholesome. So wholesome. And this... no way to not feel good listening to it. Yeah. You're getting you know your daily servings of. Of uh, well, no, wait. Metaphor went by. Good job. Well, we'll like, ignore this John meta- metaphor moment. Um, but yeah, what I wanted to talk about a bit. What says it? Oh, John, just give it up. How's what? Yes, two. Oh, he's going back to. He's a callback. It's callback. They might be the giant callback. song. Look at that. Um, I think it's important that we recognize how powerful music can be, and while we've talked in the past about how it can hurt. And hurt you based on memories and stuff. It can also be very cathartic and very and help heal as yes, well. Yes, that's a good way to segue. I just and this is <laughs> today a, is opposite day. And this but this album is very very powerful in its its feel good capacity, and and a good chunk of this record has a very feel good wholesome happy go lucky storytelling sound. You know what it is? It makes you feel like you're with people. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're with people having fun. That's that's um, and not not in the shallowest of ways. No, no, definitely not. And, like, I mean, even the story, the more story-focused songs, like Rex Markley, it's still a funny and fun story to listen to. Oh, yeah, I'd be very engaged in that if it was on stage and whatnot. Yeah. Very much so. There's, like, a story behind it, and I don't mean just, like, it's it's an episode from a TV show or something. I think Lone Ranger, it, I mean, I that's how it... I think it's the it visual per- aspect, is, like, I can see the performance in the music. I can see it, even though I'm just hearing it. I see it. Yeah, it's the way they paint the color with the music. First, first time I saw, I, I was listening to Steamboat Shenanigans. I pictured Steamboat Willie, of Mickey course. Mouse style. Yeah, that's kind of what and I yeah, that's, 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 that's kind of where I went. Yeah, that's that song just made me feel like a kid again. It made me, it gave me innocence, it gave me hope, and it was. I wasn't okay. First time I was listening to this album, I wasn't having a good day. I had a, a kind of a bad day at work, and. From the first track, it just made me feel better. This album actually did exactly what we were talking about. Yeah, as it, it did with me, actually, today. It changed the world for me. Just a little bit. Not all the time, not in any momentous way. But music can be part of a, a major healing process when you're going through something as bad as stubbing your toe to losing a loved one. I mean, there's so much out there. Well, that sounds like quite the psychological moral. You know, it's about the little things. It's about the moments. The moments of healing, not the great epiphanies, more so. Yes, thank you. That's the end of my, of my, my little thing, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You wanted that, more, but that was it. <laughs> no, 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 that's the end of my thing, too. You I think it's just it a, me. Oh, you did okay. it better. All right. Did a lot better. That's all right. We summarize each other up. Storm's getting pissed again. Well, because the two of you don't shut up. Should we keep interrupting them? <laughs> you don't interrupt enough. That's your problem. That's true. Jeez. Because I let you get your thoughts out. I know what a theory. <laughs> what are you, being possessed by Napoleon Dynamite? <laughs> Children, I'm going to put you in the corners, and I'll finish the podcast. <laughs> I'm waiting for Matt. Ha- I, if Matt has a point, that'd be something. 
Ivy doesn't. I do. Matt. I'm going to stab you. That's my line. Yeah, I know. All eyes on you, man. Music is life. We have this as our tagline. No, I do. And the reason it is one of our taglines is because I feel like... And it's not just with happy-go-lucky music like this, but music that makes you feel better doesn't always have to be happy music. But I feel like it's very important for a person to have music that helps the catharsis, helps this venting or or joy or whatever it is to get you through the day-to-day because... Sometimes it's not as simple as someone just having a conversation with someone and, and them telling you it's going to be okay. And so, yet, and yet, and I don't, I don't want to be devil's advocate in this one because I hate to play devil's advocate in this one, but I, I have to because that's what I do. Um, there are people out there who really don't have music in their lives. There are definitely, there are people, oh, yeah, I know. not just tone deaf people, because often tone deaf people will still enjoy music, but there is actually a, a it's not a big percentage of the population, but there's definitely a group out there who are not as affected like it's not it's not as connected for them audible audible um i guess pleasure just isn't as it's not as strong with them as it is with others but even those people will get a catharsis from something else like of course they'll get it from movies or from books of course but our subject matter here is music right that that would suck for them because um, I feel like they wouldn't be able to quite relate. Oh, they probably wouldn't get this as much or on the same level as we did. They would just look at this as something quirky and goofy that's fu- fun. Right. They wouldn't probably get the deeper meaning of it. And yeah, you're right. And I have friends who are like that, who just kind of listen to music when it's on, but don't have favorite bands, don't have favorite songs, don't Precisely. go out of their way to listen to music. And I've always found that kind of odd. Because it's kind of completely counterintuitive to human design almost i feel yeah no that you even more so than that there have been like studies on a certain portion of the population where you could play something for them and they just i feel nothing i feel nothing there's no dancing does nothing for me i have no sense of rhythm it's just like a musical is actually what they're called yeah it's just so weird because it's it's so it's not common yeah. but it's there and it just seems yeah. so anti-human yeah and now i'm playing devil's advocate to my devil's advocacy because oh, there's here no, other wait, side of I'm the inter- equation. I've been quiet. I'm gonna. No, no. I got. I gotta finish this one. Oh my god. There's the other side of the equation where music has been known to completely cure illnesses, such as people with Tourette's. All the, I, there was a whole spe- a whole study done in this guy who he he plays drums. All of a sudden, for the duration of playing drums, he's a virtuoso at it, and yet the rest of the time he can't stop from fidgeting. He can't get a sentence out. It's impossible to even get an interview out of the guy, but for the duration that he's playing drums, he's, like, cured for 20 minutes or so. And it, it, it's perfect. Flawless, almost. That And that's remarkable as well. Yeah. That kind of thing that... It leads back to how... I haven't said this in a long time, how we interpret music differently from person to person. Some people don't interpret it at all. They get nothing. Yeah. And then others can just get so engrossed and sucked in that it can change their entire worldview. Yeah. Most of us are more than... In between. Yeah, kind of in the middle, yes. (laughs) I definitely lean towards the extreme of worldview changing. Because I get a little too invested in some of my music. Uh, I've had bands actually not quite change my life, but put hiccups in my path. Oh, I definitely lean toward the Tourette's guy. I'm telling you, that's, that's, you know, after listening to one of my favorite tracks or favorite albums... I am much better person than when I started. <laughs> I I said I did an article for for the website crashcords.com uh, called 
how Eve Six saved my life, and it's a, right. and it's about how the band Eve Six they've had albums throughout the course of my life, and the the records have helped me get through some of the hardest moments in my life. And don't feel bad if Eve Six doesn't change your life. That's it, Matt. It, it, it doesn't necessarily it, change my life. There's other it, things that do that. But you know, it's how you interpret and what you interpret. And Eve Six is one of those bands that have been with me since I was fairly young, and they've done. They've just kind of always been there, like a good friend, when I needed them. And, and for the me, I, I'm not ashamed to say that's probably the December's for me. Which is fine. Yeah. You know, and but I think it's important. I think ban- it's just important to have a band in your life that's like a best friend. Yeah. Someone who's always there, that you can always turn to. If you need need comfort, you can go to this band and get that comfort. Yeah. And I think that's kind of important for, for human say- growth and development. It's funny. I guess I can't say they've been there for my entire life. They've been there for my adult life, at least right. since their first album, 2002. So that's at least that's 11 years that they've been with me. Um, but uh, that's funny. Men at Work probably is that opposite. But they, they, they're, they've not been a band for a very long time. It's just that was something that first affected me when I was very little. Right. That got me going. Actually, uh, the track I like to um, on we the album Cargo yeah. was... It, it was just a moving track, and I'm talking purely physical now. It was just it would it would get me as a little kid. It would get me dancing, yeah. And that's kind of important. It teaches kids rhythm. It teaches kids to appreciate that. I was three years old, yeah. three years old when I listened to that track and um, that album. And I wore the tape out in my Fisher Price cassette player, <laughs> which I went through two of. <laughs> that's like me with the, I had the um, Sesame Street record player that played actual records. <laughs> that shows our five year difference. <laughs> yes. Because I'm old. Thanks. I didn't know that thing existed. I'm surprised. Yeah, I know. I haven't read through your pictures. But we're kind of getting sidetracked. But I just think, I always thought, you know, we've discussed several times how emotional connections to music is very fascinating. But now that you've brought it up, and I'd like to get more in depth with it at a later time, this kind of sect of humanity that's devoid of this kind of musical attachment, it just seems so empty to me because I rely so much on music in my life. Yeah. And in fact, we talked about how when I went through a rough patch in a relationship that I was in and that was going sour and that wasn't working out, when I was depressed during that time period for like the last eight or nine months, I didn't listen to a lot of music because I connect so much emotionally with music that I couldn't listen to half my library because I didn't want to be happy because I was so depressed. I wanted to listen to stuff that just perpetuated this feeling that I knew wasn't going to go away. I'm going to take this in an even different direction. Music for me, a lot of times, is the relief from the monotony. Sometimes you you can go through, you know, sometimes a lot of times people go to work from uh, nine to five or whatnot. Some a lot of things you do in your life can get monotonous. We have to do a lot of things. We live a very complex life, a lot of us, just 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 to stay one step ahead of the game. And uh, sometimes that can make you a little bit jaded. You can start to forget, like, even if you once knew, and if you were once in something incredibly meaningful, time takes its toll, and you can start to lose sight of, of where you are at that particular moment. All of a sudden, one song, just on a dime, can turn that around. And it's often a song where you've forgotten even existed. Yes, true. I know I've been quiet, but I got something. I don't understand the A musicals. Um, well, we don't either, but yeah. it was worth mentioning. I think I'm a, I'm I'm I, I'm kind of scared of myself right now, because I have a soundtrack in my mind at all times. Oh, me it's, too. 
Okay. Oh I'm yeah, right absolutely. There. I'm right yeah, there yeah. With you. Uh, me too. Okay, it's, it's not just else. me. No. That's something I don't understand. People. If I'm not doing me... that, I'm making up my own stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've heard him do it That's before. That's something. Yeah, he likes to tap, and I want to cut his fingers off. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yet now you should get it more than anybody. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's kind of weird. I don't know how I do it, but there's so much music out in my life that is emotionally disconnected. I listen to it when I'm happy, I listen to it when I'm sad, and it does exactly what I need it to when I'm in those emotions. That's something I found is a little weird. Like what I listen. Mean, what do you mean by disconnected, then? Like I don't attribute certain emotions to it. I just use it, no matter what emotion I'm in, to oh. change it. Um... Yes, actually, that's... I could still probably cite the Decembers on that one for me, um, which is No, I mean songs, I, specific songs, that oh, when specific I'm happy, tracks. I listen to them when I, when I want to feel sad, and then when I'm sad, I would listen to it when I want to be happy. Well, yeah, I could cite tracks, but, you know, maybe, that I, actually, maybe that would be better for you the You use for that the emotional, comments. as emotional flip? Um, like songs are specifically used as an emotional flip. Sometimes I like being sad. Regardless, you mean. Specific, like regardless of what the emotion is. Yeah, you I can need use it to be flip. the opposite. Like I use, uh, well, I'm saying I use it as a flip. I like being sad. I like being angry sometimes. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's back to the theory of venting and catharsis. You sometimes, you have to be sad. There's one song, I've mentioned it before, I've put it on the website, a song by Oliver Boyd and the Remoralls called, um, uh, The Other Side, Bridge to the Other Side. Which is about Sirius dying, and I cry during that song but, every time. But the lyrics are so... A lot of the lyrics are so general about loss that you can apply it to just losing someone you love, not just the loss of Sirius Black. And so whenever I'm sad, it doesn't matter what I'm sad about. If I'm sad and I want to cry to get it out, to feel better, I listen to that song. It does it every time. And I will specifically cite that song. I listen to it when I'm sad to be sad. Right. I listen to it when I'm happy to be happy. Right. To remember the things. Which is weird. It's not that weird. You find what no, you yeah, want in never, music. It's tricky because often, you know, the lyrics could even have nothing to do with it. It could be fantastic or be, be anything. A lot of times it's just tone. It's just, uh, the, just the way those chords hit your ears. They don't make I, you I'm feel gonna, sad I'm gonna cite or happy. They just enhance. Dragonfly by My Brightest Diamond. I may even pull that as a trigger track, but I don't know what for because okay. that fits your description. I don't know exactly what it's doing. Like, it has turned me around in both ways. So, I just want to bring that up. I was quiet yeah. and I was trying to think this through, so I want to bring that up. Yeah. Wow, you thought something through? Yeah. Well, not really that well, well, but I tried. I tried really hard. I brought, a... I brought up an example for you. So. And and I think it's a nice punctuation for the topic. Yeah. I mean, you know, this broad topic of it's emotion. Hard for me to, it's hard for me to pick out a specific December song because it's just like, I could just listen to the discography is the flip. Like, oh, yeah. I'm not even sure. And I same could... thing for me with Eve yeah. 6. I could point there out. There are specific favorites. I think sure. when you're emotionally invested in a band enough, they can do anything for you. Yes. Emotionally. Stand Up by the Flowbots from their Fight With Tools album. I use no matter what emotion I am. To enhance said emotion. I have one also by Eve Six, Inside Out, one of their original tracks. Any like any specific song that enhances it? No, that can flip me, when regardless I'm, of what oh, I feel. When I'm, no, no, okay. when I'm angry, I listen to Stand Up to be angry. When I'm happy, I listen to Stand Up to be happy. Inside Out is one of those songs by Eve Six that the li- it's powerful, and it's it's vent venting. But I can listen to it when I'm happy to continue being happy. I can listen to it when I'm angry to vent being oh. angry. Who am I kidding? I've said this before, but Grace Jeff Buckley. Oh yeah, yeah. I and I can Jeff see that Buckley. too. We have to hear a Jeff Buckley album. Yeah, but he's dead. 
Oh, well, no, you have to bring well, it on the show. At some point, we'll... I don't care if he's we'll dead. <laughs> Wake him That's up. That's his fault. <laughs> Wake him up. I, mean, I assume his voice has been uh, recorded and everything like that. Hey, I pulled, I pulled, I did a, a trigger track on him. Yes, Speaking he did. of albums, what's our next week's album? Ah, uh, yes, next week's album. That would be Swing Low Magellan by the Dirty Projectors. Um... I'm not sure exactly what to expect with them, but I know that I loved their 2009 album "Bit to Orca." So, so this I could be another phenomena. Never know. Or, or Lotus. Or Lotus. No, I didn't. I had never heard an album by them. Yeah, no, that was, yeah, hearsay, that was that. pure hearsay. Hearsay, yeah. All right. Um, well, I look forward to hearing that. I haven't heard anything by them, so that should definitely be interesting. I always like when we bring bands on for each other that no one's heard before. I'm trying to stay true to. Uh, I once said I was going to um, stick. True to the Sufjan Stevens harem of musicians, of people that have, oh, at some point in time, been connected to him. Uh. Uh, actually, um, Shara Warden, My Brightest Diamond, is one of them. So is uh, Annie Clark from St. Vincent. All these I would love to do at some point. I think the only reason I have it is because they might be just one year out of having They might be in the, in the studio right now. Right. So they'll be coming. Okay. Um, do we have a fan email this week? Because Steve isn't talking do. enough. Let's make him read some more stuff. Yeah, well. There you go. Well, both of you kind of Really? Yeah, really? Constantly. You're telling people to talk too much? Really? Really? Hey, I've been pretty quiet. That's true. No, you yeah. have But it's abnormal. <laughs> John <laughs> just gave me the death stare. I was, no, I was just insulted pretty badly. I was just called abnormal. All right, everybody ready? No, Today's I'm not. spam is you. That's it? Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> By who? Dresses in the movies. Wow. Like the word or the letter? Dresses in the movies. I'm not sure what that means specifically. Wait, no, no. The word or the letter U? Oh, no, the word. Oh, okay. Y-O-U. Y-O-U. I feel like there's more comments that expand upon this. Um, no, in fact, there's another comment that says the same thing. Is but that... I won't cite that one. <laughs> anyway wow if that's not our note to end on um so so yeah so uh steve's pick is for next week um we're gonna look to have some guests on soon i've been being constantly harassed by Keita saint Cyr to come on the podcast so we're hoping to have her on by the end of the month early next month uh, and uh i think i already know what's going to be my pick for after steve's but we'll save that for next week um thank you guys for listening as always um, another shout out to the Wasties for listening because I know they've been lately. Um, again, this episode goes out to Scott Levine, to his family and his friends. Um, thank you all for listening. And um, tip your hat, I say. Yes. Tip it. And as always, music is life, and, and life, life is, is good. good.